Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, is, it, is it a commercial? You. Do you like chips? Like, do you really like chips? Where to the point where you're eating chips so much that you look around and there's crumbs and you're like, who put those crumbs there? Did I put those crumbs there? And I'm, and I'm here to tell you, yes, yes, you did, because you like chips. And if you like Cheetos, especially Flamin' Hot Cheetos, then you should tell people to subscribe to this channel, the Bitcoin podcast, because one out of a thousand, that's right. When we get a thousand subscribers, one of them is going to get a hundred bags of Cheetos, flaming hot Cheetos, baby. Think to yourself, how, how many Cheetos is that? And I'm here to tell you, it's like a million calories. If you ate it all, you would most definitely not be healthy, but we're going to send them to you because Flamin' Hot Cheetos are amazing. So that's right. Share this around. Get us to 1,000 subscribers. We'd like to have 1,000 subscribers because if we had 1,000 subscribers, that means one of those 1,000 subscribers is getting 100 bags of Flamin' Hot Cheetos. So, you know, do your thing, guys. Do that YouTube stuff. Hey, it's me again. Does your job still suck? Are you still mad at your job and therefore life sucking, then you should join the Bitcoin podcast Slack where the people there don't suck, or at least their jobs don't. So in essence, their lives don't either. Join the Slack. Yo, it's so good. See nodding your head. Welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin podcast, everyone. This is the first round table we've done in some time. Like we like awesome. to give you guys, we like to give you guys a break from the awesomeness, and that's what we did. We understand, you're like, God damn, this is so much awesomeness. I think it's gonna hurt my body, and we understood that you're in that scenario. So we just said, like, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna ease, we're gonna turn the frequency down a little bit. We're, we're gonna turn it down a notch, opposite of Emerald, who's usually like, boom, kick it up a notch. Not us. Who? Emerald, Emerald, Emerald Live, the cook. Oh and yes, yeah. Okay. yeah. We're not, yeah. Not Great Emerald. pots. Great pots, by the way. Today's episode is sponsored by Emeralds Pots. No, it's not. All right, so I'm the host, Doc First D. I am another host, Dr. Corey Payne. And I'm the third host, Jesse Broke. And now we're going to talk about some crypto stuff, right? So can we can we get the boring stuff out of the way so we can talk about some things that are a bit more interesting? I'm here for your pleasure. Just right. <laughs> for your pleasure. All right. <laughs> What's that look like to you, Jess? 
What are you talking about? That picture oh, it's a bear. bear. It's a bear with a uh, salmon. Salmon? Do you say salmon? Salmon. salmon. I I'm pretty salmon. sure it's I salmon. say salmon. Yeah. Okay. The L is silent and the A is kind of not an A. So salmon. Someone says salmon. Salmon. <laughs> I think I've said it once or twice. You should be sketchy. You should feel sketchy yeah. on anybody who says salmon. <laughs> Speaking of which, Reddit made me stumble upon uh, the milking of a salmon in order to breed. And uh, it's kind of gross, actually. You just kind of squeeze it like a... They squeeze it like a marker, and it, you, they just they make a big pile of caviar, and then what they need s- to milk. They squeeze the bottom of the salmon, and it jizzes all over a big pile of fish eggs. And then they do this with their hand, literally. They take off the glove to do this. By the way, the glove mm-hmm. is on to gather the eggs and to squeeze out the semen. But when they're trying to get that mix, they get hands on. They take off the glove, and then they start swirling around eggs in salmon semen. And that's how you I don't want an internet like you internet. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Not my fault, bro. It just it just came into my life. And I was like, you know what? I I need to know how this works. How are these salmon just popping up all over the place? Right? Can't be mother nature. Are we talking about a bear so market? Anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're supposed to be talking about. So apparently, you know, in the Twitter crypto Twitter sphere, there's a bear market going on. You know, we're gonna do what we always do. We don't like talking price because it's like asinine. It's like you're basically talking into a void of infinity for no reason at all. The price goes up, the price goes down. If the fundamentals don't change, why worry? There's nothing that has changed in crypto other than the price went down. Uh, so for if you're a new time listener listening to this show, thinking that we're going to give you hot crypto tips, we're going to give you hot Bitcoin crypto tips, and you can make all the hot, juicy money, baby, and drive around in a purple Lamborghini, yeah. This isn't the show for you. Turn it off. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. This is not the show for you. You need to turn it off. Or you need to go elsewhere. Ugh. That's how you got it. That's what you say after you say purple Lamborghini. Yeah, that's how, that's how Corey. So before, like, Corey, you do some life changes, bro. Like, is that, can that be public knowledge? Or not aware. Yeah. Just tell people what happened in your life. I sold a house. So in, a, in a span of like three weeks. This is my last three weeks or so. Maybe even less than that. I drove to North Carolina, shopped for houses, put an offer in. You just said not where. And then you okay, said the state. You can understand where? the state on that, and that's for Willow then. Oh, okay. you the address. <laughs> uh, shopped for it. I put an offer for a house. It got accepted. Drove back to Maryland, where I live today. Got my house ready for showing. We had 40 showings in the span of four days after we like just cleaned it and removed everything from it. And then we got 13 offers, accepted an offer. Now I have to move in like a month. Are like, you excited? Assume, assuming that like all of the rigmarole of <clears throat> funding this thing, because uh, the house that I'm buying is substantially more expensive than the one I live in now. So like I have to find all the down payment money for that. If this, if like the revenue from this house doesn't match it, mm. assuming all that goes smoothly, which it should, then I'm moving in a month to North Carolina. Very all while like I'm starting a new position at Status, which got announced yesterday. What is today? Today Wednesday. Oh, oh snaps! I didn't know that was official. That's officially announced, at least within Status. Um, I am the product owner of the, uh, what is currently known, uh, kind of colloquially known as the Status Network. 
So I will be running all of the inference, like monitoring, or uh, I don't know how you put it. I'm basically sounds like a great job to have. Wrangling, I'm, I'm cat wrangling all of the, the various infrastructure products we have at Status to then coalesce into the Status network. Cats are easy to wrangle, bro. You got this. All right. Cool. Uh, <laughs> secret to wrangling cats? One word. Just one. Treats. You already know. Food. That's all you need. That's all you need is food. Do cats, cats go for food or catnip? See, like they go over for food catnip. over catnip. Mm, I don't know. I've seen some, I think animal tests, catnip. they go over the drug before the food. They get, they get wild on catnip. Yeah. Mm. I don't think you want a whole cat team on catnip, bro. No, I ain't trying to really regular. Is. Congratulations to congratulations. That's a lot, to the a lot of life moves all at once. Yeah. So my hat's off to you. I know there's a lot going on. Uh, I take stress like a champ. So let's get into uh, the greater world in crypto. And like, I don't know. I, I was having this conversation with a close friend of mine last weekend and that crypto right now, and I don't see in the foreseeable future this ever changing, is a lot of high dollar makeup on a dried out turd. And what I mean by that is like most of these NFT, I see a different NFT project every day because I happen to follow at NFT on Instagram, which is a great Instagram account for what it's designed for. But there's a different 10,000. There's like several different 10,000s, which are called the, the NFT projects where there's 10,000 items every single day. And they all are the same thing, be a part of the, the Billionaire Alien Society, the Billionaire Bulls Club, uh, the Billionaire Bears Club. It's like... It's silly to me. Is there a list of 10K projects? Like, is there like a like a repo that tracks 10Ks? I don't know, man. I'm sure yeah. Q would know that. So the NFT show on the network, they do all NFT stuff and they don't really follow 10Ks or 5Ks or whatever the other, other standard issue NFT project is. They don't really follow it much, but they might, they might know of like tracking stuff. But like, it, are people buying all of them? Like, are they all getting participation? It depends. Exactly. How cheap it is, and it depends how much marketing was involved. So it's like, it's worse than like 2017 ICOs, right? Because like 2017 ICOs, the early ones all had massive attention, all of them, mm -hmm. because there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough things happening for all of the collective attention on Ethereum at yeah. that time. Then this like massive boom of ICOs happened, and they, like, there's this lull of like, oh, we can't get attention. No one participated in the ICO. Because there's too many of them. Yeah. And so what happened was a massive influx of ridiculous marketing to gather to garner the attention so that the project could then make some money or, or like have a successful ICO, whatever you want to call it. But there mm -hmm. wasn't anything after that. It was just a bunch of marketing, successful ICO, and then and then a bust because no one knew what they were doing. Is it like I that? think the the difference is um from an from me reading a bunch of VC investment theses on the space, uh, gaming is a huge thing that's that's being created as a result of the NFT market, right? ICO boom didn't result in us any specific industry taking the tokens and actually creating something that people there wasn't can use a lot of it. use for a long time and still isn't. They saw NFTs and gaming are like uh, your foot in your sock. They just they go together. Yeah. yeah they are do. there games? Are there any good games? Like there I've are seen a couple like 16 bit garbage in your web browser, but like anything I want to play? You 
Not yet. They're Soon. gonna come. They're coming around the corner. Soon. Like what is it? Axie Infinity was a really popular one. Yeah, yeah I, I think is that a 10k that. project? Is that or is that just like play to earn? I'm not sure. Like 10k being the quantity being 10k, I, I'm I don't think yeah. it's capped at 10k because you can breed, right? So mm-hmm. no. They um, call them 10k projects, I think, because they start with 10k and then things can get wild from there. It's like the initial right. distribution is 10k unique assets, and then from there it's whatever unique dynamics they come up with to try and differentiate itself okay pretty much maybe yeah no, just the, the supply doesn't but... matter that does this well, typically well, like it does because that's i think that's it's scarcity. i think that's what you well, come up with the floor and i want to take scarcity is an back. illusion Corey. <laughs> if, if they want to make more nfts like sub nfts of those nfts like look at look at crypto kitties right well, of course they could it might have been initially ten thousand. it has to be built in does it though I mean, you could make derivative things, but like I know a lot of the projects are like, hey, these in order to get access to the derivative projects later on down the line, yeah. you need one yeah. of the original 10K. I wouldn't right. say scarcity is an illusion. That's I'd how Axie Infinity exists. Scarcity is dependent upon the yeah. relation, right? Scarcity is dependent upon how you define it. And like, I wouldn't say it, it's an illusion. No, it's not. Scarcity no, it is. is. Okay. Is, is gold scarce? Yes. Okay, well now there's, a proof, of there's like infinity gold flying around this here solar system, That's right? right? Like, and they're already actively trying to make plans to go mine it. It's so about circulation. Is gold scarce? It's about where, what, what's currently accessible in the marketplace and then future inflation based on what could be accessed and entered in the market later on down the line changes that dynamic, right? That's what I'm, you're just Scarcity is what is currently available to you. And with NFTs, it's, it's known. Scarcity. Hopefully... You know what the future is, so you can predict accordingly. But mm-hmm. that's not necessarily guaranteed either. I think that, yes. I think scarcity has soft and hard definitions, caveats. Gold being one of them. Obviously, there's only so much gold we can get here on the earth. But NASA's already like, yo, we going to the masteroids. We're getting that gold, baby. And I'm pretty sure that is exactly how the board meeting went. Uh, I want to know where the gold's at. <laughs> I'm going to get this back, though. Some scientist came in is like, well, there's provable gold on these asteroids. And then somebody said, we can that go, baby. And then that's it. That's how that meeting went. There was a, no more memos. And now we're trying we to mine. That gift queued up. I want to know where the gold at. <laughs> that leprechaun? Yeah. Gift? I want to know where the gold at. Uh, so anyways, uh, so so I guess I shouldn't say that it's it's a turd in pretty makeup, a dried shit turd. It is like more like a... Wait, what was the turd? I, I, I NFT projects that. in general. Yeah, I, I guess chickens. I, I, I think I yeah. Chickens. I, I have a lot. Do you? We like our we put the podcast like I have a town on these avalanche chickens. There's a large amount of chicken in the bot the Bitcoin podcast like right now. And I'm not <laughs> gonna like, lie. To you. Like, there's probably like a close yeah. two to three hundred chickens bought just for the TDP podcast. Like. Have you not seen these chickens, Jesse? Have you no, not seen? I have. Them? I followed you with you Fucking guys. Great, buy any because like I know what. I know what they are. Dude, you know? Chickens are about to lay eggs. They're a fail, bro. The chickens lay eggs. You swap the egg yeah. for feed. You feed your chickens. They get fat. They lay yeah. bigger eggs. Boom. Guess what happens, Jesse? We're thinking yeah. long term, baby. These eggs get minted. I know that's your first <laughs> NFT that does that, but like I've seen that. And you can like, boost them. Solana is the biggest chain for NFTs, right? Is it? So like I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know that? That's why you can look at the marketplace of like yeah. the, the churn, the volume, the volume being paid in soul. In dollars, turning NFTs is much higher than in any other. This is uh, very true. This is that's why people go to Solana to launch their NFT to capture that. Yeah, right. And then it gets stopped, and then it doesn't work anymore. 
Exactly. That's the problem. Solana is it's got oh, problems. These are garbage. <laughs> it's got problems. Yeah. yeah, for those that didn't know who's listening to this podcast, the Solana blockchain has yet again stopped. I don't know if it's back on yet, but they're talking about what rebooting it. Yeah. Dude, I just want do you know if the reboot has to do with they take the state at which it stopped and start over from there so you lose all provenance or they just start fresh the whole damn thing? Or I don't know. They just I don't know, like I see the coordination though, like in the in the Discord channel, specific to like, let's start it up, guys. Like, <laughs> let's start it up again. <laughs> to me, it's just like I just want to reach a lot amount of time in crypto and a level of expertise where I don't have to explain myself. Like, I was talking to a group of friends last week, not last weekend, about Solana, and I was like, "Yeah, it's a dumpster fire. It's a bucket of trash." And they were like, well, "Why?" And I was. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, I always get asked that question. I'm like, fuck, man, yeah. I don't want to pull out the white papers, but the shit's broken. It's not working. You have to, though. You have to. In order to be able to answer that why question, you need to. I know it sucks, but yeah. it's silly. It's just like it's not working. If I can if I can ping the crowd and the crowd is like, this shit's broken and not working. And then I look and I see no transactions coming through. That's all I need. Like, yeah, it's broke. Look, these other ones. I mean, I agree. Broke. I this agree. One broke. From a usability standpoint, like you want an L1 that is cheap is consistently online and fast. I think that's all so anybody you cares. value liveness over safety. No, I think people value. I think, I think both can be done, right? Like Man. the system, the system can gracefully turn off when it's being attacked and gracefully come back on. Right. And that so gracefully. Your includes, idea of what Solana is doing is not a graceful lack of liveness. Right. Okay. I see where you're where you're taking me. Yeah. Right. So like, if you look at something like Avalanche, they value safety over liveness. So in the event that something mm-hmm. bad happens, the the blockchain shuts down, but nothing is lost. Right. And, and for something like proof of work chains, it values availability to liveness. Right. And so mm-hmm. basically, basically, like the, the chain won't stop ever. But mm-hmm. like there, there needs to be one validator going. So the security yeah. drops significantly, but the blockchain keeps continuing. So there's yeah. like a lot of trade-offs with the consensus associated with how these blockchains get built and applications should, I think over time, people will start to then understand which blockchain is appropriate for specific types of applications. And in some of them, it doesn't really matter, but for some of them, it may. And that's yeah. going to be kind of like in the event of something going wrong, what happens? Do I need do I need to do I need it to continue no matter what, or do I need it mm-hmm. to be sure that the, the data never gets lost, or or the data is always available? Things like this. So yeah, I think we're just now getting to the point where we have enough variability in the way to make these things, and we're exploring in different ways and how to maybe parameterize them or do change things dynamically that. Blockchains can actually differentiate differentiate themselves because right now to the average customer. It just they just hear the word blockchain. Yeah. Yeah. And they thought it's like, oh, it's it's an NFT, which happens to live on a blockchain, which means nothing to me. It's just it's a place where expensive things live. I'm buying Vin Diesel's NFTs day one. I don't even know what that doesn't matter. I don't, know. I don't even care. Are they angels? I hope they're angels. I really hope they're angels. I hope they're Vin Diesel's angels. Did he, did he say he's I'm doing buying. something? You should make that up. Dude, he has to be. He's got so many teams. One of those teams is like. Oh my God! He's making it up. The baby did it. The baby did an NFT project. We got to get Vin Diesel on this. Let's see if we can talk to the Vin real quick. Let's schedule a meeting next What's week. The Vin, right? He's like, hey guys, how's it going? And then they're like, we're gonna give you an NFT. He's like, 
Angels, I'm with it. And that's it. I'm on the Fast and Furious. Did he exhibit? Get a better accent. Uh, uh, that's how he sounds to most people. Anyways, let's get on so, to the task. Can so, we? If you want to talk I, about some ask heavy shit, Jesse. Yeah, I want to talk about some heavy shit. You want to you ask a question. I'll ask your question first before you get into this heavy shit. And like, I need time to think yeah, about yeah, this. I'm, yeah, I got to yeah. put my thinking cap on for these questions you're about to throw out. So I wrote some questions in our production channel before this went live. And I have questions about, I'm going to skip over some of them, but can you discuss like the, the time to finality differences and variations of proof of stake consensus mechanisms? Sure. So let's, let's overview, like what are, what are (laughs) off the shelf proof of stake uh, mechanisms available? I guess you should probably first ask what finality is. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so you say, what is like finality for a transaction? Mm. What that's asking is when I submit a transaction and it, it enters the blockchain, mm. it's included somehow or another by a validator or miner into a blockchain or data structure that becomes available for other people to see or whatever. Right. Uh, but how long until its inclusion does, is if it, being final is it irreversible like, i have i have strong confidence that it will not be changed right. again right proof of work this is what the confirmation time typically is for a blockchain for a proof of work blockchain like bitcoin or ethereum and because they're uh these these algorithms mm-hmm. are probabilistic in nature yeah. meaning that uh the odds of things being ter- changed is a probability which gets less and less and less over time so as your chain gets further and further and further in the blockchain and it's built on. So like, say it's like five blocks deep, there's been five blocks. You have higher security assurances. You have more and more assurances that from the tip of the chain to where your chain is won't get reverted. More and more mm. and more confidence based on the amount of work gone into the blocks that were pushed above yours. I have so, a quick question. just want to interject. Why is Bitcoin's like finality by exchanges six blocks? Like, What does that mean in terms of What's the probability of reversion at six okay. blocks? So what that means is, uh, so like every multiple times, maybe even a day, um, the network is so large of people mining within Bitcoin. Let's just talk about Bitcoin for a hot second. Mm. Uh, a, a block time is 10 minutes. Okay. Yep. So it's like every 10 minutes, minutes, there's a new block. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh Every day, because the network of miners is so large, there are yeah. probably multiple times a day in which two people across the network find a new block at the exact same time. Meaning that a miner A in China finds a block and they gather the transactions they think are appropriate for that miner and they, and they add it to the block. They submit their proof of work and then they, they broadcast it to the network. And at the exact same time that happens, somewhere in the United States or anywhere else, just like across the world, across right? Someone finds another block. They they choose their transaction from mempool and submit it to the blockchain with a proof of work. Those both of those blocks are viable. So what happens is you have this contention over which chain is the right chain across the network based on how fast those two blocks propagate across the entire Bitcoin network. Because the first, if the first person, a miner who is not those two, whichever block they receive first that has valid proof of work, they'll they'll they'll, they'll say this is the right one and they'll start building on that for the next. So there's a contention on which one. And probabilistically, the, 
those the the bifurcation of the network, someone will find a block on that one before on, on one of those chains before like I want to say there won't be two people finding a, a valid block on both of those intended chains. And that gets exponentially more probable over time. So for a little while, the network is in somewhat of a flux where the next block found dictates what's the what's the canonical blockchain. So let's say, for instance, uh, block A, the one from China. Yeah. That someone else receives that one, starts building, and they find a block that that uh, gets added to that one. That what happens is they submit that block to the network, and it, and, it's, and and no one else finds anything else. The entire network throws away whatever they had, whether it be the previous valid block that was through, or the one from China, and they build on that one instead. Because the the canonical rule in Bitcoin is the longest chain wins. Right. The moment that second block gets found, that's now the longest chain. Everything else is thrown away. So. That's your probability of a reorganization because what happens is if you're on that other chain, if your if your transaction was it was in that one but not in the China chain, then it's not then it, it it gets reorganized. It's no longer where you thought it was within the chain. It may be in the block, but it may be a different one, so on and so forth. There's so like there may be minor changes, or it doesn't get included at all, depending on what the miner chose to put in, who submitted the blocks. So as time goes on, you have more and more and more confidence that that won't happen. Because the odds of a six-block deep reorg is incredibly small. And so what you do is you just wait. They're like, okay, by the time I'm, in, I'm six blocks deep within the Bitcoin blockchain, that's far enough for me to be very, 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 very confident that it will not be reorganized. So I can consider it final. So what is, what is the probability, though? Like, not I don't know my head. It's huge. Okay. It's okay. not. It's, it's a never going to happen probability. It's I mean... Yeah, it's it's up there. It depends, right? So, like the so like the, the odds of that happening is dictated by um, the distribution of mining power across, the right? So, like say for instance, there is a fifty-one percent attack, or yeah. a larger, like say seventy-five percent of the, like of the of the hash power is owned by a single mining pool. There's a much larger chance that that can happen because there's collusion within that single mining pool to withhold blocks for a long period of time. And then say, well, we have a launch chain, here you go. Mm-hmm. And so there's some odd attacks that get more and more likely if a large distribution of the network has control over the mining power. If mining power is heavily dif- differentiated across a bunch of different people, that's never going to happen. Right. So that's that's proof of work. Now, proof of now Ethereum is a bit different because the block time is smaller and they have a different process with uncles and these things like that. But for all intents and purposes, uncles are the equivalent of orphan blocks, right? Yeah, they're not orphan blocks, but you still get a reward. Um, if they're referenced through the, the like the, the mechanism in which Ethereum does proof of work, which is like oh, I didn't know that they get rewards still. Yeah, they can get they can get partial rewards for doing good work. So that's okay. kind of the differentiation for Ethereum because they reduce the block time so small. You increase the number of times this happened, meaning that there's a lot of like unused work. So they built in a, a incentive mechanism for people to sometimes get rewarded for blocks that got thrown away. Uh, mm. Okay, so that, that's proof of work, and that's the probability of that type of thing. That's why you need, what is it, like 12 confirmations or more for Ethereum, because the block time is smaller. It takes longer to get deep enough in the chain to be confident that things aren't going to get reorganized. And that's also a metric of what the hash power is, right? And so if the hash power is small, doing a large block reorg isn't that big of a deal because you can just find blocks really quickly. Mm-hmm. 
So there's there's a lot of weird dynamics that go into how proof of work and the probability of finality changes over time. See, the now, assumption is that like two block producers won't produce um, the newest block at the same time and keep producing blocks, new blocks at the same rate, because then you'd have like two parallel blockchains going a fork, right? Yeah. You'd have two parallel blockchains going. And that assumption is, is proved by 10 years worth of computation. So I don't think it's no, any that's, longer that's, an assumption. So it's based on the probability that you, you won't have two blocks producing new blocks at the same rate then. Yeah. Yeah. And so you like got that, Bitcoin that actually happens sometimes too. You can have the same point where you have where the, that, that temporary fork lasts for more than one block. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's just, but it closes not, after like six. At and least. so, but the probability that you go to three and then four, yeah. Yeah. It gets exponentially more unlikely. Right. And so the, the, deep, the deeper you go, the less, like, exponentially less likely it is to happen. Eventually, you'll coalesce onto one of those chains because someone finds a block before the other chain and everyone throws away the rest of the block. Gotcha. Because the yeah. canonical rule, the number one rule of the proof of work is longest chain wins or heaviest chain wins. It's the length plus the amount of work that went into each block. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So, That's, it's, not, it's not longest chain. It's actually yeah, heaviest it's the, chain. The easier way to say that is the longest chain because you assume that each chain has the same weight. but interesting so if we back that all the way out into gpp speak for the new people listen which is the amount a good amount of you every 10 minutes this is for bitcoin only every 10 minutes there's a giant gaggle of computers racing they're running as hard as they can right and one of them's gonna win all right this is really like really distilling a lot of shit down one of them's gonna win Right. And they get to decide what the blockchain looks like when they win. For that 10 minutes. For that 10 minutes. The next 10 minutes, another computer is going to win and they get to decide what the blockchain looks like. Right. It's extremely hard for a set of computers to go six blocks deep and do that much calculation to reorganize that entire chain. Right. They're going to. Six blocks. Forget this. Like six six blocks deep. deep. Yes. That's different from what's currently happening. Yeah, they're working in a totally it's different. It's much easier reality. with a with a visualization, but it's not only do they have they have to they have to. They we can do a visualization. Choose. What? We can do a visualization. You're gonna, you gonna sketch it? I can't wait. No, to no, no. The whiteboard. There's a uh, if you go to AndersBrownworth.com/slash/blockchain. I'll link it in here. Oh, I think you internet harder than I do because I watch. Here you go. Sand I linked it in farm. the private. Oh chat. yeah, the blockchain demo. It's so good. Yeah. So somebody can like bring that up on screen for the people yeah, who but are watching. The forking of this, I don't think works. Yeah, it it doesn't quite, but it can kind of yeah, give you a, see, a basic yeah, there's visual. no fork situation here where I can show two different competing chains. Yeah. That would be that would be good. Now that that website is really good for giving people the basics of like how transactions enter blocks, how block like a blockchain, how proof of work works, et cetera. But like, yeah. Uh, here's someone said share link worth. We want Just more details, better simulations. I got you, Boo, on what is that on YouTube? Sick. <laughs> there you go, Luciano. Uh, so that's proof of work. Do you have a probability of of finality? Mm-hmm. So we just we just made up the concept of so six blocks deep is good enough, but 
if you're buying a cup of coffee, you don't really care if it gets reordered. You don't, you don't, you don't wait. You do a zero conf kind of sending the transaction that gets included a block. Cool, that's good enough. I'll walk away. If you're buying a house, maybe you wait six, maybe you wait twelve. Right? right. So like it's the finality is a function of how deep in the blockchain it is or proof of work chains. Yeah. With so, proof of stake, what, that's not the case. Well, my question that I submit inside of Jesse's question is why is actual finality better than the perception of finality? I don't know what you mean. They're all we live we live it every day. What do you mean? You there's no that? there's no there's no real like zero. I just went to the grocery store and I swiped my debit card to buy some food. That transaction is not going to be final until Friday. On the very very back on the very very most important ledger that my bank holds. That transaction is not going to be final until Friday. Right now, it's shooting through everybody's ledgers, shooting through fucking, I don't know, Plaid, somebody else, some other stupid little thing, all the little mediators in between me swiping my debit card and it hitting my bank account. But in my eyes, if I look on my app and I see available balance, it'll have already reflected. But that's not final. The money hasn't moved. The money has not moved from my bank to Kroger. What's your question question again? My question is, why is finality so important in the first place? Why do people care if they already are, if they already live and operate under perception of finality? It has to do with the arbitration of of transactions that don't finalize and get charged back or change. Mm -hmm. So like you're not relying on a a mediator for... As a merchant, if someone comes into my store and buys something, and walks away with it. And then they dispute that transaction at their bank and get their money back. I don't have much product. Yeah. 60 days afterwards also has to do with my accounting as a business. I can't settle or understand how much money I actually have until 60, 30 days after someone makes purchases. So I have to keep all of this in mind based on the possibility that something changes over time. Finality matters. Not that, not, and, and I would argue the the time gap between perceived finality and actual finality is the larger that it is, the worse it is, because it really has a gives the possibility of introducing problems in in, in accounting for money and malfeasance. Or I can't predict the future as well if I don't know what's going to happen with a longer and longer time frame. And when you, I don't have to trust someone for shorter finality. And things can move much quicker and more dynamically because you can you can predict in the future much 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 better, more accurately, and faster if you have you have very short finality. But blockchains finality is when the transaction is final and nothing more, which is a really nice thing. And also like automated, you can automate it. That that's the answer I was looking for, and more of an opening to see like why people what the value proposition of blockchain is because a lot of people aren't gonna they're still not gonna see that this could be we can fast forward the clock twenty years from now we're old and gray and for still some reason making the Bitcoin podcast knowing that more often than not that's <laughs> the, the term they use in the financial world is settlement trustless yes. settlement when both parties walk away feeling as though nothing can change again trust in blockchain world or transaction database transactions it's finality uh so like we only talk about proof of when you talk about i would say there's there's two now that avalanche exists mm-hmm. there are arguably iota but we're not going to go there uh 
there are two different versions of consensus in the realm of proof of stake, right? So when I say proof of work, we're talking about Nakamoto. Nakamoto. Everyone, yeah, everyone play, plays giant Sudoku to win a chance at uh, submitting the next block. So becoming the leader so they can submit the next block. Proof of stake is basically a bunch of computers who know each other, well, one version of it, practical Byzantine fault-tolerant algorithms. There's a bunch of computers who know each other who deterministically elect leaders. So like, all right, we're, me, us three are working in this, this thing. It's your turn to submit a block. You collect the transactions. You, you submit a candidate block. We look at it, verify it, pass it around. And there's these rounds associated with how quickly can all three of us come to consensus on, or can a portion of us come to consensus on this is the correct block so we can move forward. In those types of algorithms, the moment a block is submitted, it is final because you cannot roll back. You can't, you can't roll a block back. There's no probability associated with how deep in the blockchain is it. Because of the nature of how these algorithms work, it's final the moment it's submitted and confirmed. Yeah, but that's, that's why that takes, that takes time, though. Like, that's where we have to talk about latency, no? In yeah, terms so of that's, like messaging. that's dictated by how fast you can perform that rose round of protocols, which is which is governed by how many validators they are, because you need to understand who everyone is, and it's all to all communication, meaning that like everyone has to talk to everybody else or close to that mm -hmm. uh, in multiple rounds. So you're, that has a lot of bandwidth overhead and things like that, which is why they can only usually go up to like a hundred validators. Otherwise, you start having way too many messages trying to be passed around in a small amount of network time. Which is why you can only go to like what five seconds, twelve seconds. Mm. It takes that long just to pass all those messages around across all the validators, so that everyone can say, "Yep, that's right." Yeah, and then that's submitted, but there's no rollback; it's final. Mm. And then avalanche, right. avalanche is like what is it like the, the number of nodes times? Oh no, it's log the the fan out. It's it's the number of nodes log the fan out, right? Off the top of my head, I have to look back at it. But it's so like what I said about the PBFT algorithms, everyone has talked to everybody and how that, that that latency scales with the number of validators participating. So that's why yeah. it's capped at around a hundred. Once you go past that, you get degradation because it takes longer and longer and longer to come to consensus because you're asking mm -hmm. more and more people. And that the number of messages scales exponentially because that's how that works. So uh Avalanche does it differently by every individual in the, in the validator pool doesn't ask everyone. They ask a random sample of everyone. They do that multiple times. So the number of messages that a given validator has to have, has, has, yeah. to, has to do for any given decision is constant. So the number of validators can be as many as you want. It doesn't matter because the number of messages that any, any individual validator has to ask is constant. Because it's always a random sample of the entire pool. See, I have questions mm -hmm. with like how VRF sampling works in Algorand because they use random sampling of subcommittees. I don't know. Than... It's like there's there's some differences there that become more difficult with like that's like these uh, what is this? Not their what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, they take slices of it mm -hmm. and form almost like subgroups that then hierarchically move to a larger group. So like you take a subgroup, they come to consensus. Those subgroups what then, then come to a larger group and that then coalesces to like the entire group agrees on one thing. And that's yeah. 
a bit odder. So like, I think Ripple does something like this, the way Ripple works mm-hmm. and, and, the, and the flavors of Ripple like consensus. Mm-hmm. And so does like maybe Definity. I'm not quite sure, but like there's, there's all these like variations that are essentially attempts to get around the concept of EBFT algorithms being limited at 100. Mm. I forgot the name of like what they call groups in consensus off the top of my head. Okay. This is, mm. I would like to like learn more about what you know and like read more about this stuff. Yeah. It's, it's really fascinating. There's so many, there's, there's so many options on the back end of this tech that almost, I mean, think about it, that, right? Well, I just like, want to understand why hundred is the cap of validator nodes for, I think it's physical time. That's right? what I want like, to see. I want to see like how the math works at why it's message complexity over time. So like yeah. how fast you can, you can, you can propagate that many messages to that many people in a specific yeah. amount of time. So if that's dependent upon, is that phys- dependent upon the, like the physical like bandwidth? Yeah. Like if bandwidth increases, then your message yeah, propagation goes. It's network latency across a global network. Uh, so if there's more nodes, then you can pass more messages faster. Or no, you gotta no, if there's more nodes, you pass more messages because it's messages. all oh. to all. When I say all to all communication, that means say if there's five people, each node, each node has, has to send everybody four messages. Got it. Got and it. so the number of messages grows exponentially. As you go to, as, as you increase another one, that's, it's a combinatorial problem, right? Mm-hmm. How many ways can you connect a specific number of people? Two to the, it's not. No. In factorial. In factorial. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you have a 30, then yeah, 30 factorial. There might be some changes there based on like. Um, that's not a large. Yeah, so, and so that's, that's the issue there, right? Is that once so you get to a certain number of people. Yeah. It's no longer feasible to send that many messages in a specific amount of time because it's too many messages. So can I, I like numbers wise, because I, I like looking at like examples. So if we're talking about the the validator node count is limited to 100. So is that 100 factorial is the amount of messages or is the amount of yeah messages in total that need to be settled before like a block is considered final? It depends on the algorithm because like that's, that's why when they like people like Cosmos or, or Tinderbent, which yeah. runs Cosmos, their yeah. improvements are trying to figure out how they can piggyback the necessary information within a single message or change the way the gossip protocol works. The gossip protocol is basically like the network layer below of like how these nodes are actually interconnected and send messages yeah. to each other. How messages propagate across the network such that I'm sending someone to, if I'm sending a message to people that are two nodes away from me, how can the people in the middle extract as much information as they can to come to a decision early too? And so like there's all these optimizations you can try and do to get around the, the, the like message complexity latency of propagating messages across the network. Or like, how can we change the algorithm such that any given node comes to the right amount of information to, for consensus faster? Mm-hmm. And that's mostly what they're trying to do. So how, at the end of the day, yeah. if, if it's all to all communication and there are rounds yeah. to this, yeah. then you still have to pass a certain amount of messages, which can only happen within a certain amount of time. Right, right, right. And that's, again, limited by your bandwidth. Like, So like if you're running on a, a fiber connection at one gigabits per second, then you do the math, I guess, in terms of like 100 factorial messages need to be settled between 100 nodes. And then I don't know like what that turns out to be in terms of like that's, you that's know, bytes like per information. These systems have a high operational costs for validators because yeah. you need not only like you need a very good level of internet 
Yeah. High, high bandwidth, low latency. The CPU is the bottom. Tremendous amount of uptime requirements yeah. because yeah, you know, yeah. if you're going to, you're on the network, people don't know who you are, and you have to participate in consensus. It's not like yeah. I can hang out for a little while and people will ignore me. Yeah. That's why you get slashed. And then there's, and then there's like just a lot of IO because you have to reference what you've already done for each individual message to come to like a larger group. So also you have to verify. There's a lot of computational costs because you're doing a lot of signature validation for all mm. these messages to guarantee that the message you got came from who you think it did. Gotcha. So there's a lot of complexity involved with doing these algorithms incredibly fast. That right. limits how fast you can come to a decision. And that scales with how many people are involved with coming to a decision. Right. So that's rather the than... Of, of Avalanche is that it doesn't require everybody. And that's, that's the real key there that I don't think people understand. Right. Because it's not, it's not N factorial. It's... Uh, I think what it is like, for instance, if they're it if depends they're on it, so that's five, what's nice about the underlying protocol itself, not necessarily it be adjusted. Yeah, that's a parameterizable. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of there's a few parameters you can change based on what type of security availability, like latency, you want yeah. in 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 your network. Mm-hmm. So you can change how many people do I query every single time, how many iterations of queries do I do, mm-hmm. and things like that to then. Tune it to the le- like the performance level that you want, right? Based right. on how, how big you think your network's going to go, or like how what type of property you want the data on your blockchain to actually. And I think that's right. really important. And also, the key point is there: the amount of messages that a given validator has mm-hmm. for any given decision is not tied to the number of validators in the pool. Wait, can it's you repeat that constant. one more time? So, like, say for instance. Um, no, no, you could just repeat the same thing that you just said. Yeah, the amount of work that a given validator has to do for any given decision, yeah, is constant with the size of the okay. network. Okay. Meaning that, meaning that, the number of validators in the pool can grow to thousands. Pool validators, the work associated with any one of those validators is the same, regardless of going going from twenty to a thousand. Okay. Yeah, we're talking for about full versus decision. archival. That's the distinction you're making. No, I'm, here, talking right? about, I'm talking about any given round of, 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 of a decision. Say, for instance, okay, if we're okay, talking okay. about proof of stake for these PBFT algorithms, yeah. uh, the amount of messages that's passed for a pool of validators of 20. So that's all to all communication. A validator has to talk to 20 people. Mm-hmm. So all those messages have to get passed multiple times for every 20 people in order yeah. for any given decision to happen on the network. Yeah. Because we're talking, we're, we're talking about the entire network coming to a, coming to a decision. Mm-hmm. If you grow that to a thousand, that means any validator has to talk to a thousand people multiple times. Yeah. And so, and you have to wait for all of those people to do that before any given decision takes takes place. Yeah. Because it's all to all communication. I'm with it. Right. And so, the, that latency and complexity and the number of messages that need to be passed overall for any given decision grows exponentially with the size of the network. Yeah. Avalanche says we sample, like say for instance, there's a pool of a thousand validators. Yeah, it's not all to all. We it's like we sample uh, 20 nearby. We right. don't care how big the network is as long as it's bigger than 20. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some small subtleties there. You want a sufficiently large network that your sample is random. Mm-hmm. Because if you sample twenty, you're doing all to all communication, then you have you have strong finality, but you don't have any type of like randomness associated with it. Mm. 
and the randomness is important because of it has to do with something like decentralization, right? So, like for central limit theorem, it's basically like a, an average of averages. The, so, I've I've tried to explain it this way beforehand, and I think it's one of the better ways to get an intuition on um, why this protocol works mm-hmm. versus like why you can take a subsample multiple times of a network and it come to the right answer globally mm-hmm. is say for instance, this is, this is a, the standard statistical method for coming to averages of large numbers is yeah. I have a, I have this bucket, massive bucket, millions, billions of numbers. And I want to know the average of all the numbers in my bucket. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a long time for me to computationally add up all the numbers and take and, and then divide it by the number of numbers to get the average. Yeah. Instead, statistically, what I can do is I take a random sample of the numbers of, of like, say, 20 numbers in that bucket a bunch of times. That my, so, and I take the average of those numbers. The average of averages, if I do that yeah. a bunch of times, that number will then, will then monotonically converge yeah. to the actual average of the total thing. Gotcha. And so you can prioritize that by how many times I sample it, right? So like I'm this sure is there's the, a beautiful proof proving that what? this is I'm sure that there's a proof behind Oh yeah, 100 percent This is this is the like it's it is a it's one of the most valuable things in, in data science is your ability to do this for for big data, right? Yeah. That's how most that's how that's how you that's how we can do a lot of big data calculations, your ability to randomly sample, do this iteratively, and then to coalesce to the right number. Okay. And so that's basically the gist of how avalanche consensus works for a large number of validators. The central limit, I think, this year. I can so, so let me let me ask this question. I thought that, um, or, or, or let me ask let me ask this question. How does weight of staked amount of avalanche tokens matter to consensus? Because it is quote unquote leaderless, but is it really leaderless if I guess like if 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 there if there's a weighted stake in terms of like if somebody has like i don't know uh way more algo than another node who's being queried for its average won't that average have more significance and won't like i guess is isn't that in some ways leader isn't that like a leader sorry what i missed that um, one. I, looked up. I was I was answering a message in the chat you're good. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, when when something is leaderless versus has a leader, mm, yeah. and avalanche, there's the the consensus mechanism takes into account weight stake stake weight staked weight, right? Yeah. So how if if somebody has like a disproportionately large amount of avalanche stake tokens staked on their validator, how is that not a leader? No, it's not a leader because uh, they're not. The person submitting something to be verified. So okay. it is not like they're not batching stuff and then submitting it for verification. They're just okay. so the way the staked weight works in an avalanche-like protocol is uh, they're just asked more. Okay. So the odds that you're the odds that you're queried for any given decision are improved by your stake in the network. So that means that these people get queried and they participate in queries much more often. Gotcha. Because of the weight of the, because of their weight, their associated weight in the network, um, a leader is electing someone to gather the transactions that need to be verified 
batch them and submit them to the network. Gotcha. So it's a definition error on my part that I don't know yeah. the so difference between a leader. The, yeah. So Avalanche in its best form is leaderless and that you don't need anyone to submit something to be validated. And you're not trying mm-hmm. to elect that leader in some process. Both okay. proof of work. So like winning proof of work is yeah. leader selection. So the moment someone solves that giant complex Sudoku right. of proof Good. of work to yeah. the network, that's their that's they get to be the leader because that they've submitted a proof of work mm-hmm. that dictates that they, they they won the round, they get a submit, get two, two tokens. Everybody has to validate PBFT, the leader is determinic deterministically elected through uh, some algorithm. Basically it's like it's, it's these turns and slots, depending on which flavor you're using. So you okay. know who the leader's going to be, and that person submits it, everyone else checks it and then pushes forward. But but um, that I think that's that's the part where I think Algorand differs, right? You're saying that it is humanistic. The VRF is the source of randomness. So the VRF is a source exactly. of randomness that chooses right. the leader. But it's not deterministic. Well, I guess it's pseudo-random, it's, it's, but it's it's deterministic, but the randomness determines it. Oh, okay, okay. I get okay. As far okay. as I know. Okay. But yes, there's still a leader involved in this. They're still doing PBFT. Yeah. It's just yeah. they have a very good source of randomness which seeds who the leader is. So you can't collude beforehand. Right. So, like, if, isn't that, instance, isn't that if you knew who the leader's though? going to be, then there's, yeah. there's a level of collusion you can do to pray. What are you doing, RFP? I'm doing a damn thing. I'm just listening. Oh, that's my dog. He likes to go in and out of his kennel sometimes. Like, that's just. I didn't know that. I didn't know y'all were picking that up. Hey, man, could you stop fucking around? An important distinction there when we're talking about Avalanche is it's. Like by nature, leaderless. So that's X and P chain. But since the C chain is a fork of the EVM, right. it is a leader it's leader protocol, based, yeah. leader based protocol. So they basically yeah. had to add additional constraints on yeah. who gets to be a leader within this group of people within all the groups of people, which is called Snowman Plus Plus. Yeah. I so they've had to that. kind of constrain it additionally to figure out who's a leader, so that you don't have um, the like more often of a chance for. Uh, I guess they call it a conflict set. So basically two transactions that are on conflict mm-hmm. because the EVM is a fully synchronous blockchain. It needs to be totally ordered. So you mm-hmm. need someone to, to propose who's going to be a block. Right. They've kind of come up with a new way to figure out how you go from this leaderless based protocol of a network to find a leader reasonably well to then push the blockchain forward in a way that like isn't going to have contention. Mm. So like there's just that, that's the paper that I'll consensus is a huge area of of, of uh, research yeah. and it's growing and growing and growing because it's relatively yeah I was listening to um, Goon talk about the talk about his consensus algorithm avalanche the snow protocol stuff but then he was describing the classical um, consensus algorithms and then the um, Byzantine the BFT ones. Fascinating. Yeah. I love it. That's it's part of my favorite. Like that's why I got into it was how Bitcoin did this, and then uh, then brought me on to traditionally how it was done, and then how yeah. basically these networks were adding incentives. Yeah. Basically, they started adding tokens and incentives for proof of stake to then slightly modify traditional distributed consensus algorithms to then work in the context of a blockchain, and then yeah. Avalanche joined the scene to do something completely differently, and. Then all of these different ways of trying to optimize things for a specific type of guarantee within the trilemma, right? And so right. 
it's 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 a massive area of research and we have a lot of room to discover more stuff yeah dope everybody's optimizing for something it'd just be nice if somebody kind of like crunched the numbers to like say okay this is what they're optimizing for in terms of use case yeah an an objective differentiation across all of them without having to be like this bag holder mentality of like well i'll just leave the best so yeah 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 that'd be great good luck Good luck. <laughs> another another diamond idea from the Bitcoin podcast. If anybody wants go. to do that. do that. Also, it's like the, the amount of effort and work it takes to get there is <laughs> substantial. And by in, in the in the road to get there, you then learn you can make a bunch of money by developing these things instead of yeah. publishing more about it. And that's what yeah. happens. Like you you rip people from like just pure academia into a developer or new chain and they, they become wealthy because it's so frothy. I'm hoping in the future, this industry isn't as like hyperbolic in, in attention as it is today so that you have more objectivity in the new stuff coming out and not so much infighting and competition when something gets released. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, like man. I, I enjoy the hyperbole. I don't. I enjoy the hyperbole because... It's, it's like what hyperbolic keeps the space going. It's like it's like stop. It's like a pit stop, right? If we didn't have these astronomically, if we didn't have these moments of what do you call irrational exuberance? Right? You need speculation to drive innovation. That's just a yeah. It brings attention and a lot of. I, I, words I wouldn't be in the position I, I am. I had words coming, Jesse. You were like, "Fuck oh, sorry, it!" Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm just telling go, you go. what to say. Go, go. <laughs> no, go, it's, sorry. it's over here. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. What I was going to say was, you need speculation to drive innovation. That's exactly. No, yeah, I just knew that. I think that's, that right. <laughs> that's exactly what I was leading to. I was going to be long-winded, you know, because it's a yeah, podcast, but I'll cut it short. <laughs> I'll, cut it, I'll, cut it, I'll get straight to the point. Then. No, I mean, we need that, Corey. I know it sucks because you live in it and you build it and it becomes distracting. And it's like, then all of a sudden, a thousand aunties are asking you like, hey, you know, should I buy a fucking Banda Bear token? Should I buy a Dingleberry? Yeah, what about, yeah, and you're like, I just... You probably know more about that than I do. I don't give a fuck about that. But like, it's just that for, like I said in the past, like we, we get these hyper, 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 hyperbolic moments. And then 1% of the people stick around and start doing things that really matter every single time. I think this is like the third or fourth time I've seen it now. And I'll probably, we'll probably see it more. And it's just going to be more specialized and more specific to different chains now. I mean, I gotta be real, right? I can't, I can't pretend that I'm some completely objective haven't benefited or profited from this industry at all like nobody can i'm in the position i'm in because i've profited off this industry yeah but that's what makes it i get to live the way i do and not care so much because i've i've been in it for so long and i've profited off off the off the highs that's what makes it an industry that's what makes it a market that's what makes it it's it's like people aren't People aren't down the street selling Ford F-150s for free because they fucking love it. No, they're selling Ford F-150s because it makes them money and they like it in a little bit. I don't know. And they make a profit from it. From I guess profit, we'll put that in quotations because it is a salary. But they make money off of it, right? It's not like you don't just contribute to something if it's not going to benefit you um, in some way, shape, or form, unless you're like Gandhi. But anyways, let's get to the realness here. 
I wanted to segue into something that could be huge. It just came from the Slack, like literally why we were recording this. Apparently, uh, you can launch a EVM compatible blockchain on Avalanche with just a JSON file now. So Patrick O'Grady, who's one of Avalanche's lead engineers, tweeted this out. And it's in the Avalanche channel of the Slack. By the way, if you haven't joined the Slack, I don't know what you're slacking for. Ooh, what's <laughs> Not for Jesse. Jesse is a stone. No, sorry, I'm, I'm actually walled. reading the post now. I'm, I'm, oh no, yeah, we're, we both moved into the post. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, I it's do. I think I know. So here, let me put out my D knows yeah. a little bit of everything, but a lot of bit about nothing. Cap, and I think that means JavaScript object notation, JSON. Is that right? Is that what it means? Sorry, what? I just JSON. JSON. It's about JSON. You know, is that what it means? Like JavaScript object notation? Yes. Dope. So I know yes. a thing or two. I've been around the fucking block. So we're not. I think it's notation. Let's look. I think it's. I hope it's uh, notation, or else I'll just look like an idiot. But I look like an idiot. I'm talking about JavaScript right. object something. You're right. You're right. You're right. It's JavaScript object notation. Yeah. Look at you, D. Boom. Anyway, I like to think of it as human readable code because I can look at stuff and I'm like, oh, I know what that means. You know. So anyways, um, what, is, what are you getting at? So that's kind of a big deal because JSON files are everywhere. In fact, I used to use some JSON files in my everyday job. Uh, it says proof of authority subnets. Colin caveated it. Proof of authority subnets? Yeah, okay. then it's not like a full-on subnet. It's a permission subnet. Yeah. So, um, but so what? I mean, XDAI is a proof of authority subnet. I was about to say it, yeah. XDAI for, well, for that. It's not a subnet. It's a sidechain. So, but like, and, it's, it's in all reality, like doing one of these is better than the, than the security of XDAI. Yeah. Oh, and hats off to the uh, podcast two of the subnet podcast, which is basically an avalanche show. But look, that's some good foresight to have that name on what's probably going to pop off in the subnets of avalanche if it gets pulled off correctly. So, Hats off to you. It's good, good show too. So, um, I don't really have anything more to add to today's show. I like that. I wanted to get some. Sorry for hopping out there. I had to to take care of some business. I had to get my dog up and running. So, nah. uh, But I don't know. I don't have anything more to add to today's show unless y'all want to keep keep it going. Nah, I'm good. I think he has to go. Do some shout outs. People up. Should do some shout outs. Hold up. Oh, there's one. Th- there's one thing I wanted to say. I got heavy before we do our. Uh, I like that. Like, so we have a job day. channel. It's like a hashtag <laughs> show. <laughs> we have a jobs channel, and uh, if people post their jobs in there, but that's not going to be free anymore. So if you <laughs> if you want to post your job ads in there, DM me Fergalotti in the Slack, and I'll give you your pricing, and you can post your jobs in there to whatever detail you like, Ooh, um, and we'll, we'll work out the sales on that. It's um, be a I job just, newsletter. I don't understand why we would have a free job board. That's silly. Because that's right? our, that's our need, community. We need that's to have a people yeah. out. But we need to have a spam filter. And the spam filter is if the job's valuable enough, you'll pay to get in front of the people that could do the I job. mean, I'm not seeing a lot of spam in the job filter. These are all legit jobs. Yeah, but if that gets popular, I, I want to make sure there's a spam filter there called pay me. You try so, you try to get paid. So yes, we are. Why not? Right. Um and if you take a sponsor, it's a sponsor from Box. get paid. We we are tra- working on sponsors. We're definitely living off sponsors from the first year we ever did this. So like, yeah, get a couple more. <laughs> yeah, see some more shit. If we know that one year's worth of sponsorships last ten, 
Let's get some more sponsorships. So fuck it. We are working on sponsorships. You want to be a sponsor? Yeah. You want to be a sponsor of the show? Hit us up. We'll yeah. add your product pretty hard. Uh, and if you like it or don't care, then we'll probably, you'll probably be a sponsor. Absolutely. You know, we we got some sponsorship chops. I'll be a little more, you know, a little less, uh, a, little, a, little, a little more PG. There we go. And then, yeah. uh, and uh, we do have a deck. We can send it over to you if you're interested in being a sponsor. Our our audience is, you'll get to know our audience if you join the Slack. Go to the BitcoinPodcast.com, push the button that says Slack, follow the instructions. If you can't do that, we don't want your money and we don't want to be involved with you if you can't follow those steps, right? Just, we don't want your, somebody we won't associate with, all right? And I mean that when I say it. So <laughs> anyways, let's get into the things. We do lots of things. That's Patreon. You can become a patron and then you get access to the tiers of being a patron. There's patroness involved. Um, I really feel like I should research what those tiers are because sometimes I say these things and like I want to be able to give somebody incentives to become a patron. And I'm just like, just just go sign up. You can read. You, you, you got to support the show. You might get something. That's it. That's just support the show. You might get something. You, get, you definitely get a... Uh, on a certain level tier, you get a select <laughs> channel in the Slack that no one else gets access to except for patrons, which gets actually quite a bit of alpha, to be honest. I'm surprised how much stuff goes through that channel. Actually, yeah. A whole lot of alpha leaks in the patron. Shout out to channel. Andy for providing alpha yeah. invites to conferences and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's still he's still going to do it. Yeah. Little's Law. You're oh, late, that's, that's, that's long, way... Long. Whoa. We got to get that out of here. That was a long, that was a long you're, time ago. You were clicking, clicking <laughs> messages from 30 minutes ago. Oh, I think that was an accident. Oh, there's comments. Wait, what? Yeah, there wow. was lots of comments. We've been doing this, this for a while, guys. No, 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 no. I was oh, in the no. private chat tab. I didn't look at the comments. All right, who, who's Lu- Luciano Ropero? Is that He's a listener and a watcher, so. Yeah. Oh, he, said, okay. he said this. Then he said that. He said that. All right. Then he said this when you were talking about that. Oh, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Right. And then he said, "Oh, we get it, guys. People can look at you." All right. Uh, We already said everything about Slack. Oh, we got a pretty, we got a pretty rad bad review uh, last week. Rad bad. Yeah, it was like like a two star, and they were like, "Hey, these guys pretty much just suck at everything, (laughs) life included." They don't talk about Bitcoin. They only talk about shit coins and they don't know what they're talking about. Yes. And I was like, those are the ones that we love. If you listen to this those show, then it's very clear. We have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. We <laughs> don't know shit about crypto. I don't know anything. We just started this shit <laughs> like three days ago. As you can tell, like, you know, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. What is this? non fungible non fung token what is spingability does it doesn't have any like fungi on it yeah there's no there's no fungi on these tokens like fresh means it's not decaying <laughs> uh shout out to uh let's do some shout outs and let's wrap it up shout out to olivia mon you know you helped the nfl forge a great aaron Rodgers, one that's impenetrable right you made him emotionally intelligent and now he's winning Super Bowls. So shout out to you, Olivia Munn. And you got knocked by this dude. So you're winning, right? Olivia Munn. She goes from Aaron Rodgers to uh oh man, what's this community? John Mulaney. John Mulaney, right? Voice of uh, Spider Pig. Right? So, you know, 
Shout out to me. <laughs> With the haircut. Shout out to Adele, who, you know, has a great marketing team because never she once in my life. Nails. You sure her recent video, her nails are like extra. It's weird. So I'm saying, how do you know that? Her marketing team is amazing. Every time she farts, I, know that? I hear about My wife likes Adele. I mean, watch music videos a lot. It's a very simple Anything person. this woman does, I know about it. I don't even like her that much. And I'm probably sure I just pissed someone off by saying that. Like, every time she makes a song, it's even on hip-hop radio stations. I'm like, damn. This woman can market. Whoever can market her is doing a damn good job. Uh, shout out to this guy. You know, he tried Cowboy Bebop. Didn't work out for him. I don't even know why you would agree to do that. Jesus. I like it. Uh, you like it? Hmm, that's good. That's the other. It's a black dude who kept white people up. Ah, that's Jet Black. Shout out to him. You know, classy guy. Is his name Jet Black? Well, Jet Black and Cowboy Bebop. His name oh, is not Jet okay. Black. You know. What's his name? Ah, oh, man. I wish I knew. Actor of Jet Black. Yes. Okay. Got it. Yes. Portrayal. And there's Bears. Um, that's all we got. You guys got anything? Shout outs? Nothing? Holler, go to North Carolina, live in North Carolina, hit me up. Play the outro.